Alrighty. And with that, we will begin. It is now 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. My name is Rochelle Muckle. I'm the Exhibitions Operations Coordinator at AMT. And thank you guys for joining us for our IMTS webinar and podcast program today. We have a great program, our kind of quarterly economic update with Pat McGibbon, who is the VP of Strategic Analytics at AMT, right below me. So thank you, Pat, for joining us. And of course, our lovely host, Mr. Steve Miller, aka Kelly's dad, right above me. So thank you. Show us your bun. Today. Yes, I have Look a bun. Look at that. Look at that. She's so cute when she wears that bun. All right. Well, I wanted to just kick off with a few IMTS announcements um, for our attendees and exhibitors. Registration is opening February 1st, so that's a huge thing. Definitely check out for that. We'll be sending it in our Insider and eKit Wisdom. Um, also, for any exhibitors out there, we have our IMTS workshop taking place January 25th in Schaumburg, Illinois. So look out for that. Sign up for it if you have not already. Oh, look, Steve, you have your IMTS shirt on. <laughs> we love it. That's awesome. So all I'm modeling. We'll be on our website and check out IMTS.com for the latest information and latest updates for everything. <laughs> you, you have a guest, Pat? I'm laughing at Pat. Yes. With he's, his robot. He's a, that, that's right, Gary. He's a <laughs> wild and crazy guy. He's out of control. Yes. <laughs> All right. Go, keep going. Scott, you want an IMTS t-shirt? Um, send me an yeah. email, and I think I might be able to make that happen for you. <laughs> it, we can make that happen. Just yes. send me, just send me $100. <laughs> I can get them a lot cheaper for, for you than that. Yes, I think I might be able to make that happen for you. All right, yeah. with that, I'm going to turn it over to Steve and Pat. <laughs> that, it, Okay, I thought you had a lot more to talk about, but uh, um, you know, good morning, Rochelle, and um, and and of course, good morning. You know, it's it's December, and as we all know, it's time for that jolly guy to show up. Yes. Every December, Mr. Pat McGibbon, down below, there he is. Okay. And. Uh, you know, we you know you talk about the workshop. I just I just had a conference call with the all the all the uh, general session speakers yesterday. We're working really hard on uh, making sure that uh, this is going to be the best workshop ever, uh, helping all the exhibitors to be more successful. So if you have not signed up, uh, uh, then boy, please sign up for that. You know, we want to see you there. Uh, we're expecting this thing to be a record-breaking. Uh, uh, size. It's the biggest in the world of all trade shows in the world already, and we just want to keep on growing it and helping you guys to be more successful. But like I said, you know, every December, actually every quarter, you know, we 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 bring the jolly old guy in uh, to uh, share with us his uh, his words of wisdom, you know, for uh, for us. On, on the economic the the economic update or as he's got it titled now a long winter's nap uh, you know and 
Uh, and, and of course, you guys know, I can see that several of you have already jumped into the uh, uh, Q&A. And um, uh, no, not the, not the largest trade show, the largest exhibitor workshop, Oof. largest workshop. Uh, but uh, anyway, the, uh, um, uh, you know, we're going to be talking to Pat here and uh, getting some more words of wisdom. We are recording this, so it's, it's going to be archived. It'll be archived on both the, uh, and that is not coffee he's drinking. Uh, that is, uh, it'll be archived on both of the uh, AMTS, uh, IMTS video archive, as well as the new podcast that you yeah. can subscribe to on iTunes. So uh, that'll all be rocking and rolling here pretty quick. Hopefully we'll get them all up, uploaded today. Um, now, just as a word of warning for people, okay, I have a bit of a cold, and sometimes I get into one of these coughing attacks, and if I do, I'm going to pause myself, mute myself, and I'll let Pat just fend for himself while I get, get, get through that. But hopefully that won't happen. So, so Pat, you know, and Rochelle, thank you very much. Uh, always, always, you know, great to have, uh, you know, beauty with the two beasts here. And uh, um, so, Pat McGibbon, what, you know, what you've been doing, what you've been doing there, Wild and Crazy Guy, to, you know, get, getting the economy fixed up for us? <laughs> um, I don't think anyone can. I once heard a uh, professor from the University of Alabama, famous economist, say, it doesn't really matter who we elect as president, because there ain't anybody who can ride a, a one point uh, or a fourteen trillion dollar uh, horse and, and make it go any direction he wants. It's it's going to go wherever it wants to go. Um, small things will have minor impacts, and it really is uh, the environment it's playing in. So our economy, uh, you you got to be you got to be pretty happy. Two thousand nine, our industry saw a sixty percent decline in orders, and here we are nine years later. Uh, year after year, some of the best years we've had in bookings uh, going back into the, uh, back in, wow, all the way back into the late 70s, early 80s. So mm -hmm. uh, when we talk about the declines that, that occurred in uh, 13 and uh, that 15 is a little bit less than it was in 14, uh, we've got we've to be careful. We've got to put that in perspective and say that uh, these still are it's still a much better, better order bookings year than it was in 2009 or 10. So um, the key is so yeah. what? Go ahead. So why do you, why do you call it uh, long winter's nap? Well, uh, just a second. Let me get this thing moving. Uh, long winter's nap. It's because uh, since last March, um, manufacturing has begun to slow in its growth, and although it's officially still growing, uh, it's growing at a speed that that uh, is, um, uh, isn't requiring a great deal of expansion of capacity. Uh, people are, are enjoying and squeezing the benefits out of uh, the equipment they've already bought, the automation they've been adding to it, and that's one of the biggest trends over the course of the last three years. Uh, the percentage of every order that uh, is, reflects the amount of automation that's gone into that product uh, and, and the retrofitting of automation into existing um, machines on the floor and a lot of our customer bases. And so they, they, they've been cautious uh, about uh, making any additional capital expenditures to see, to see that manufacturing is going to start growing at a little bit faster rate. It, um, I'm going to try to be a little bit more uh, interesting than, uh, than a lot of the machine tool and manufacturing presentations I've heard over the last uh, four months. They all start off with the same three things. Energy prices stink. 
and that's had an unusually large impact on the order uh, bookings from that, uh, that industry and the downstream industries that that impacts. Uh, China uh, growing at 6% is, uh, like most countries, going negative 3%. Um, and then the strong dollar is, is uh, kicking our tail on, on some of our export markets, and therefore uh, not only are we not exporting machine tools and manufacturing technology at a pace that we would like, but our customers aren't either, and that's having an impact on their production levels and the need to uh, expand capacity and put new machinery in place. I'm going to try to stay as best I can away from those three things, uh, debunk at least the, uh, the China piece of it, and uh, get back to some of the, uh, in a down market, some of the negatives. Now, why I call it long winter's nap? We have been in a stall, basically, for, uh, for six months already, and I would expect we're going to probably see uh, it continue to stall uh, in, uh, in manufacturing for another six months. And as a result, we're likely to see machine tool orders continue to slide, uh, albeit very modestly, over the course of the next six months. And uh, once again, I think Peter Ullman must be the luckiest man on the earth. Uh, every show, we seem to either be coming out of a recession or uh, peaking just before a recession. Uh, so the IMTS always seems to be sitting right on top of the pile. Um, certainly, uh, you take a look at the, uh, some of the other trade shows we go to that have been timed just very poorly. Uh, in, <laughs> in 99, we were in, uh, see, you know, 2008, 2009, 2009, we were in Italy, and the, uh, six years before that, in 2003, we were in Italy. Um, uh, so that emo in Italy has been uh, really difficult. Although this last, uh, this last October, uh, it was pretty successful. It was, uh, considering everything going on in the world, it was very busy, and I know that a lot of our members came back with a, a nice uh, set of orders in their back pocket. Um, so maybe they broke the curse. Uh, but it doesn't really matter, because there's not been a curse on IMTS, and it looks like that's going to continue to be a story. I'll go into that a little bit more. Sorry, it's got the human blessing on it. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, it seems like it. The uh, Putting in perspective, we've got, you know, this, our global economy is about $77 trillion. Um, that's what it was in 2014. It would be a little bit higher in 2015. Uh, and when people talk about, well, geez, China is going to take down the world. China is not going to take down the world. It's 13% of the, of the world economy. Okay? We're 23%. Um, and China isn't going negative in their group, uh, economic growth. They're just going down from 9 and 10% down to around 5 and 6%. Uh, and sure, this has had some impacts. It's created uh, at the speed they at the speed that they're they're think of them as an oil tanker. The speed that the Chinese oil tanker is going in the economy when it, when it sees that it should be put on the brakes, it takes a long time for them to slow down because they're so large. And as a result, yeah. we've seen uh, commodity prices uh, drop to the floor. Not just energy, but uh, many of the metals and uh, even in some of the foodstuffs. So uh, that makes it difficult for people who are in mining or in agriculture uh, to be able to uh, see their equipment go out the door because farmers are under a, a profit crunch and, and mining industry is not making a whole lot of money on the additional uh, ore it takes out of the ground. So the, why go and spend a whole lot more money to buy new equipment to get it out faster? But, uh, but that, that, uh, that oil tanker, we call it you know, China at the time, it's, uh, it's gotten to about to its balance point. It's uh, slowing down the water and it's adjusting its speed. 
And uh, I, I believe, and many of the people I talk to on a regular basis believe, that over the course of the next six, seven months, uh, that, uh, that country will be able to find a way to grow, uh, even in manufacturing, at the uh, economic growth rate of 6 to 7% growth. Um, and that's a positive thing. And then um, over time, they'll, 6 to 7% growth will eventually come to them what it would be to us, which would be fantastic. It's just a matter of getting their consumerism up uh, and uh, putting the rest of their uh, economic structure into, into balance. Uh, not going to happen in a year, not going to happen in two, but it, it will happen uh, certainly in the next, uh, before you and I retire, Steve. <coughs> mm-hmm. The, um, when you take a look at just an FYI, Pat, um, your <clears throat> your video is frozen, so we're just you know we're just listening to you right now. You, you can okay. either leave it alone and we'll, we'll just listen, or you can uh, turn off your um, camera and restart it again and see if it'll fix it. Oops, okay. that's what you want to do. <laughs> so, we'll see if that see if that fixes it. Now it's just a gray screen, so maybe not. Well, I was gray screen a second ago, and it came back. So let me uh, you you kind of dance with your hands. Oh, you can't see me dance with my hands. You kind of dance with your hands on the exciting points until I come dance back. With my hands. You're going. Where are you going? He's uh, leaving us, folks. Where? Well, don't leave us. Just don't okay. worry. Just keep talking. Just keep talking. Hold on. I'm gonna switch. To another camera. Okay. Oh, you're going over to to Rochelle's computer. Yes. Okay. Not that it's that important to see our faces moving and our mouths moving and stuff like that. It's you know it's you know. It's really the content over here that's important. Okay. Right. There. Oh my God. You look even more professional. Now. Yeah. I got better pictures in the background this time. Uh, okay. So we're at so China at thirteen percent, and most of the European countries, when you add them up, are around twelve uh, percent. Uh, it's really uh, what's happening in North America for our economy. North, North America as a whole represents twenty-seven percent of the world economy, and a good portion of our exports. Our top three export markets are China. Uh, Mexico uh, and Canada. Mexico and Canada are enormous. Uh, they, they represent a, a significant part of our GDP. Uh, met, uh, China, um, China only rep our Chinese. Our exports to China represents like uh, around two, two point two percent of our entire economy. So it's not it's not a crippling um, situation for us with respect to China. Mm -hmm. uh, we can grow without them. Um, so, bottom line, China is unlikely to be our undoing. The worst forecast has China growing at 2% in late 2016 before rebounding 6% uh, in 1718 uh, and in some kind of significant growth uh, outbound from 18. The result is the world doesn't slip into a recession. Uh, again, our worst case scenario is it's likely to grow significantly, significantly through 2019. When you talk about world growth, world growth of over uh, 2% is is really uh, a lot of economic activity. And as you can tell by that graph from the right-hand corner, the forecast from our friends out in uh, Oxford, England, is that it um, is going to likely be over 2% through uh, out to 2020, uh, up 
grown up to nearly 3% through a good portion of that period. Worst case scenario is we have a down, uh, down late 16 and, I mean, sorry, down early 16 and start coming back in 16 and are back above that 2% level in uh, 2017. Did yes. you add that hard landing in there or something? What's that? Did you add that hard landing, that Chinese hard landing, or that? Uh, that's uh, that. There's two scenarios they're forecasting. If uh, mm -hmm. China were to go uh, continue at two percent growth in 16, uh, that would be more of a Chinese hard landing. Um, but the expectations are that in 16 they'll rebound, probably about the same time we our manufacturing sector here does, and mm -hmm. uh, and they are related, but. And it should rebound to about 6% and start growing past 6%. And at that point, um, they should be a, a positive impact on our economic growth here in the country as opposed to being a, a modest negative. Okay? Uh, okay. Moving on. Uh, one of the biggest things going on, you probably haven't heard a lot about it. You've heard it here, about it here in the United States for the last six, seven years. Quantitative easing. We've gone through quantitative easing one, two, three, and while we haven't announced a four, we've actually been doing a four for a while in uh, 2015. Um, there's talk about uh, raising interest rates. Uh, they haven't done it yet. Uh, there's a meeting uh, pending now. They, they could possibly do it in December. I don't really think they'll wait until after Christmas uh, to make any kind of a, a uh, rise in the rates. Um, but the quantitative easing I'm talking about here is actually what's going on in the rest of the world. You've got it happening in, in uh, Europe. You have the Japanese uh, beginning to expand it. And even the uh, Chinese are, are looking at the quantitative means ways, in other words, creating money to help uh, their consumers and their manufacturers buy more <clears throat> at a better rate. So what it, what it does is it typically devalues the currency. In fact, uh, the U.S. dollar uh, was down uh, for a good portion of our period of quantitative easing, which made our exports more attractive. And that's why exports climb. And when, of course, exports climb, uh, and you, um, you rely more on your domestic than your foreign, because your foreign products become more expensive when your currency values, uh, it's a significant boost to domestic production levels. Um, and also quantitative easing uh, has the uh, extra side benefit of lessening the chances of your country going into a, a deflation state. Uh, the inflation rates have been modest all around the world. Uh, excellent jobs of, of managing the money supply and keeping it in line with the economic growth. Nobody creating hyperinflation. Um, but when you, don't create, when you don't create a steady amount of, of inflation, you have always sitting on the brink of possibly going to the other side. Because it's a narrow band you're sitting on. And you're either creating inflation or you're falling off the fence towards deflation. And that deflation um, for retired people wouldn't be so bad, but it's not great for the economy, and it's not great for growth. Uh, it, um, people, uh, production becomes um, significantly impacted in, in a negative fashion. Um, money is, uh, becomes very valuable, and, uh, and people tend not to get what their money's worth at the end of the day. Uh, let's see. Well, no, being some using her computer, I've got to reaccustom myself to this type of laptop. Gotten too used to my Surface. Uh, so let's move on to talk a little bit about some of the key customer industries. As you can see from this uh, this graph here, this is a uh, run up or an index base of uh, industrial production by each of the 
major customers for our manufacturing technology industries. Automotive has been going gangbusters. Uh, it's uh, uh, just everywhere for parts, for uh, machines, um, cutting, automation, uh, forming fabrication, uh, almost tooling, almost any place in our, in our membership or in the uh, pavilions for IMTS, you see uh, extraordinary uh, strength. This last uh, March through the present time, and it looks like leading probably into the uh, beginning of next year as well, the forming fabrication piece of it has been uh, fabulous. Uh, presses, uh, lasers, coil feed equipment have been in great demand because they need new, the needed new technology to deal with some of the new uh, materials being used in, in the automotive industry. Uh, something that's been in the European market for the last couple of years, what's called dual-phase steel. Uh, there's a couple of ways that you can, you can't really use the equipment you've used in the past to create stampings for the side of cars or for floor bodies um, because uh, the steel is a lot stronger, a lot tougher, and when you pound it into shape, it doesn't necessarily stay there. So there's two different ways to go about it, and the one that they're using in the United States uh, requires new, um, uh, new equipment, both presses, coil field equipment, and sometimes even some heat added to the process to soften the metal up just a teeny. Uh, all this has created an enormous uh, uh, windfall for the press and fabrication industry uh, serving the automobile industry. Uh, backlogs have been enormous through the summer and into the fall. And even now, um, many of the people who play in this particular market are, are um, at backlogs of six to two years, six months to two years. Uh, mm. on, the, on the cutting side, they're not quite do, doing that well, but they're doing extremely well. Uh, not so much with the primary autom automotive manufacturers, but with the parts suppliers. Uh, one of the keys here is that looking out over the course of the next uh, three to four years, the auto industry is going to be introducing hundreds of new brands and models. Uh, and, they, and they're doing that um, not because they're expecting to see the, uh, the volume of demand grow by double or triple. What they're actually doing is that every brand, they're making far fewer of them. Uh, instead of making a million, they're making a couple hundred thousand. And this is to create price differentiation, uh, to try to meet the needs of smaller regional markets, pick up on... Uh, be able to shift quickly if there's changes in things like oil prices or weather that requires one type of vehicle over another type of vehicle. And uh, this has been a boom to uh, parts suppliers, mold makers, uh, the people, if you can imagine, a, one of the most distinguishing things you can do to a car to make it look different than the one before it is the taillights, the panels on the inside, the front, and uh, these are all different molds and they're only going to be used for a few hundred thousand uh, hits as opposed to um, millions, and uh, that's uh, that's cre increased the the uh, demand uh, for new equipment uh, in in that parts uh, parts industry of the automobile industry. So it's been a, a really big positive for uh, uh, a number of our members. So you're saying it's going to continue? Yes, that's going to continue uh, probably for at least another three to four years. Okay. The aerospace industry uh, on this particular one. Looks, it looks like it's kind of flat, uh, but actually it is as strong as, as the automobile industry. The only reason it looks flat is that the year that they faced this in, January of 2014, uh, aerospace was, bam, it was up at the top of uh, the scheme. 
uh, probably two, three, two times what it was in 2000, um, say even 2007, just before the downturn. And so the level it's at right now is another uh, four or five percent larger than it was in the uh, beginning of 2014. But there, you talk about two thousand, you know, two to four percent larger than one of the largest years they've ever had. Their backlogs are still uh, dramatic, um, and with the uh, price of oil coming down uh, and the increased uh, the the uh, increase in air traffic being significantly higher than what was expected. The people buying these planes are just flush with cash, and so we're going to hmm. see the pressure. Uh oh, oh, <laughs> again. What? It, uh, working with uh, her computer, it uh, timed out, and, and uh, I wasn't looking for that. Uh, so all of a sudden, I was looking at nothing. I even used it. No. So, um, okay. <laughs> the in the aerospace industry, their 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 customer base is flush with cash. Uh, they're trying, you know, typically they put the order in, they're not expecting to see the order come into a, fruit, into a delivery for two to four years, and now they're scrambling asking, hey, I want to get this now, I want to uh, get it in the air, I want it making me money uh, so I can pay this off while I'm rolling big as opposed to getting this, you know, in some unknown economic situation three to four years from now and hoping that it pays itself off. Uh, they'd like to do a little, uh, more retirements than they're currently doing. Um, so the aerospace industry, even though it's in the mix with most of the rest ones down there, uh, is actually on the same page as the automobile industry. Uh, the other, uh, the other significant one is medical equipment industry has been uh, has grew really dramatic uh, fashion in, two, in the 1990s and the early 2000s. Took a bit of a uh, normal growth pattern, four and five, six percentage percent growth on an annual basis through most of the middle parts of the 2000s. Uh, but it's back on uh, a tear again, um, thanks to you and I and all the people that are born at the same time as we are, now hitting that uh, magic upper 50s, lower 60s numbers and demanding or needing or requiring uh, artificial parts to uh, keep us in, a, in our golf games and tennis games, etc. Oh, come on. I think you have, a, I think you have a little fake, uh, fake piece of equipment in you, don't you? I might have some titanium in here somewhere. Yeah. So, uh, so it's it's back on a significant growth path again, and uh, it it kind of unfortunately it doesn't pop out of here as nice as it should because it's lumped in with a very large scientific and instrumentation area that's not doing well except for medical equipment. Mm -hmm. The uh, uh, the other place is, is uh, contract machining. Contract machining is doing very well. It's not. Uh, it's not growing at uh, really large double-digit rates, but it's growing at high single and, and uh, low double-digit rates, uh, and primarily because it's been able to do a good job of managing uh, its costs. Uh, labor costs, you know, as recently as 15 years ago, used were 35 to 50% of the total value of a, a product coming out of the, out of the uh, shop, and today they've managed to get that down into uh, the teens, and in some cases, even into single digits. And uh, automation and the productivity of the machines that they've been purchasing have been uh, key to that. And as we move forward and have even more difficulty year from year in attracting and keeping uh, skilled labor, uh, particularly in the job shop industry and in our industry, uh, uh, they're relying more on the productivity equipment and, uh, and automation to help um, at least fill the gap on a temporary basis. Long term, we still have a problem with the skilled labor.
Okay. Let's see if I can make hers work. So, well, I guess my uh, my hook here would be that even in a slowdown, even though the economy, the manufacturing sector is sort of taking a rest, a small nap, there are places that you can uh, keep an eye on. Uh, we've already talked about the automotive, automotive industry being hot, and that profits in the aerospace industry are driving demand for uh, orders coming out sooner into shipments, and therefore the aerospace industry is uh, working on to expand its capacity and doing, primar doing that primarily by pushing down um, demands onto their supply chain. Medical equipment numbers are up again. Then consumer electronics, um, there's a whole host of new gadgets and toys that uh, have molds, dyes, stampings, uh, small, small um, prismatic and small uh, symmetrical parts that are coming off of, uh, uh, off of Swiss style lathes and off of small machines, uh, machining centers. And so there are some places where there's still uh, some significant opportunities. Then you talk about geography. Uh, that's one of the, I guess for me, one of the, the big things is the Northeast has always been pretty strong and the Great Lakes area has always been pretty strong. Uh, Northeast is still doing well, but uh, there's been, while we've seen declining, uh, declining um, order rates in, for the, on a national basis, uh, some of the places like the South and the West have uh, actually seen uh, increasing order uh, rates. Uh, in the South, it's been primarily thanks to significant amount of uh, automotive and aerospace going in North, um, South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, Alabama. Uh, and in South Central, uh, you're, you're seeing some of that happening with uh, Texas and Louisiana. Uh, certainly in those areas, uh, Texas and Louisiana, the, the um, demise or, or at least the rest uh, of the energy industry's really taken the wind out of uh, sales there. So even though we have a couple of really significant markets growing, net-net, um, those, those, uh, that particular region is, is uh, still suffering. And in the West, um, aerospace, yeah. um, aerospace and consumer electronics is, is driving uh, demand and creating an expansion of supply chain out uh, in that area. Uh, I would say that, you know, well, South and the West, and to a certain extent, to a lesser extent, South Central have um, have benefited from uh, foreign direct foreign direct investment and reshoring. One of the key points, the bottom one, starting from the bottom, working up in that part of the graph. Foreign direct investment is uh, for for our customer industries has been off the hook uh, over the course of the last six months. A lot of new um, greenfield plants going into, the, particularly the Southeast. Uh, in the West, uh, where uh, clusters of automobile, clusters of aerospace, clusters of consumer electronics, and again, there's a cluster, while a cluster of uh, medical equipment started out in Warsaw, Indiana, and it's kind of expanded across the country, there's a new cluster developing in the southern Virginia and northern uh, North Carolina area, and that's uh, seen quite a bit of domestic and foreign. Uh, investment and some of the domestic has been uh, reshored uh, product. Um, the thing is, there's some of our key customers, particularly uh, aerospace, and uh, some of the job shops are, are kind of flush with cash right now, thanks to profitability, and therefore uh, making investments now has been a smart thing for them because the slowdown in orders has also created some, you know, tough pricing competition. Uh, from both domestic and from foreign competitors. 
Uh, and people who are, have the profitability and have the money in their back pocket are taking advantage of it and trying to get the best deals they can. So in those areas, oh, are we still are we seeing is is you know I know that that we've seen reshoring kind of you know on the on the uh, incline, right? Uh, uh, how how's it looking right now? It, it's still looking uh, great. I was at a conference with Terry Mosher the uh, just uh, uh, last week. And he was talking about how excited he is uh, about some of the new data that's coming in and um, looking to dive into it to, to help understand exactly how much faster things are, are happening uh, and, why mm. and, and try to, to understand why. I mean, we know some of the why. Some of the why is uh, the U.S. is still doing pretty well when a lot of other markets are, are, have slowed down. Um, and um, the cost-effectiveness of uh, American uh, manufacturing has uh, improved dramatically against most economies. About the only place where we see ourselves still um, uh, working at, at about the same rate or to a slight disadvantage is, is Mexico. Now, that's not to say that things made in China are more expensive than made in the United States, but in the last, uh, last seven years, you've seen the cost, uh, the unit labor cost in, in uh, China, for example, uh, go triple and four times what it was uh, back in, in uh, just a few years ago. And the index for the United States has basically been flat. We're still right at 102, 105. So uh, we're basically the same place we were uh, when you make these comparisons, I think 2000, uh, 2008 or 2010. Uh, I don't have that graph up here, but uh, uh, the only other place, only other country that we compete with regularly that has been in that same ballpark has been uh, Mexico. Um, prices, you know, in Brazil, uh, even India, that have grown faster than they have in the United States. But China is the one that's just gone off the charts as far as the, but they were at such a low rate that, it, you know, two over one is still two, but it's a 200%, it's a 100% increase. So yeah. uh, they take, it'll take a while for them to catch up in real terms. And then well, it's good to know. Key thing is manufacturing is still rolling. It's just rolling at a speed that doesn't require as much capital uh, investment. And that, uh, given everything that's going on in the world right now, um, the three things we mentioned at the beginning, energy, strong dollar, China, and you, uh, the, you deal with some of the trade, uh, trade unrest and you deal with some of the political unrest, uh, manufacturers just being cautious and, uh, and uh, being a little bit um, more circumspect about making capital investments uh, when they may need to have cash on hand for, uh, for their cash flow issues. Mm -hmm. uh, then let's go to, uh, we'll walk through the key indicators um, real quick. This is something that we watch on a monthly basis. Uh, the data comes from a variety of sources. Uh, the two at the top, the ones in blue, are, um, are the result of an algorithm that AMT puts together based upon how the, uh, the other 10 below are doing. So purchasing management index, you know, as you probably heard, it fell below 50 for, uh, for the second month in a row. And, and that typically means that the, the, well, right off that means that the manufacturing sector is not expanding. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's contracting, but uh, it is in, in a fashion that its uh, growth is continuing to slow. Uh, and so it, that's a basically pointing downward. It's the largest negative impact on, on our uh, outlook for uh, manufacturing technology. Um, 
then you've got capacity utilization, which is still standing at 77, uh, which is sort of the, the almost 100% capacity in today's terms. Uh, and it's standing steady. It goes a couple, a couple points, down a couple points. Um, no, I said decimal points. And that, I mean, that's good news. It means people are working and they're poised to need additional equipment to expand if the, if the need arose. So there's not a, a surplus of, uh, of capacity like there was in 2000, uh, 2001 and 2002. In 2001 and 2002, one of the reasons we had a, a multi-year decline and uh, recession in machine tool um, activity and manufacturing technology purchases was because the customer base had bought so much from 92 to 99, uh, seven straight years of growth, and a lot of the stuff they bought in the latter part of that period, 98, 99, 2000, was so much more productive that it that one machine they were putting in wasn't replacing one machine that they took out of the shop. One machine they were putting in actually was replacing, could replace two, two and a half machines in the shop. And uh, that reality didn't come to them, uh, to the, the customer base until, you know, uh, 2001, 2002, and it put off for their uh, purchases until uh, the productivity they purchased got caught up with the capacity they needed. And we don't have that problem today. If, uh, if manufacturing were to turn around tomorrow, then you would see, <laughs> you would see, uh, you'd see orders from machine tools pick up immediately. Uh, so that's a positive, but it's a positive for the future. Uh, orders from durable manufacturing goods are still doing really well. Uh, I think it's one of the reasons why you see capacity utilizations rate that what they're at. They're uh, sitting around 230, uh, billion dollars, um, um, 230 billion, 330 million, 230 million a, a month, and that's uh, that's great. I mean, it's a really good number. Uh, it's near uh, a historical high. Uh, again, just a signal that the manufacturing is not in desperate times; it's just in soft times. Uh, and then orders for um, housing starts uh, still good. They're over a million, but they're starting to fall toward the, the one million number, and that one million number tends to be where we get into trouble with, um, with uh, all the things that go into a home, appliances, um, HVA systems, things that are metal that uh, has to be in every home, and every new home requires them, so you know you need, uh, you need that plus whatever replacements you have going on in existing homes. So that slowdown starts uh, suggests that uh, there's a possibility for a slowdown in demand for those products. Uh, Mortgage rate and the uh, AAA bond yields are still about as low as you can get them. Um, so they're green and steady. Consumer sentiment, consumer sentiment um, has been really strong. In fact, it picked up in November. Uh, there's a, uh, advanced numbers suggest that December might be a little softer than November, but they're still uh, higher than they were in 2007 and six. So uh, good, uh, good numbers. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, well, if they were to decline, that would certainly have an impact. I know if they were to rise, um, that would have modest uh, positive impacts. Then light vehicle sales, you can't say much more than what's going on. It's, we've uh, been looking at monthly rates, uh, monthly numbers, at an annual rate being over 17 million units. There was one month uh, in this fall we were at uh, over 18 million units. Uh, we expect that the, the, the car... Um, the, uh, the auto market is going to remain strong for at least the next two to three years, uh, and that's you know 
that's just uh, great news for our industry, great news for anybody in manufacturing because they, they are one of the base drivers for a lot of different uh, uh, parts of the supply chain. Now the Baltic Dry Index, what this is is a measure of how well world trade is going uh, and it's, uh, it's uh, fallen off dramatically in the past, um, past year and a half. Uh, a lot of different reasons for that, uh, one of them being you know, that some of the challenges uh, in China. I mean, it used to be you, uh, you would send ships packed over from China to the United States or to Europe and they would sit there waiting for something to get put on them and go back. Um, that situation doesn't exist as much, but uh, it's not because the U.S. or Europe are sending more to China. <laughs> it's because uh, China is sending less to the United States. Um, mm. it's, uh, <laughs> the trade has just been soft, and, and it, um, trade really does. I mean, people, people uh, wonder about the, why can't we just supply everything we need for our domestic market, one of the largest in the world. Uh, and everybody would be happy and everybody would have jobs. It just doesn't work that way anymore. Uh, there's things that we, don't, we can't make here. Um, there's um, components, there's uh, products that just that doesn't, don't make sense to make here. And so uh, trade really does help everybody grow. Uh, and then the restaurant barometer index, for the first time, it's fallen, um, uh, fallen off, the, uh, off the 100 mark into slightly less than 100. Uh, there's no given level that suggests expansion, but uh, a decline certainly says that people are being a little bit more cautious about their money. And it's one of the first signs that leads to a decline in the consumer sentiment. Uh, and that's a quick run through the, uh, the, the, the indicators. And what does this mean for us? We see that uh, cautious expectation that manufacturing will grow, at the, grow modestly or stay at the same level it's currently at, uh, but unless uh, durable manufacturing goods are growing and expanding. There isn't a need. Uh, there isn't a great deal of need for new capital equipment, new manufacturing technology. So we see a stable situation in manufacturing as being a negative one for manufacturing technology orders. And um, so our our outlook here is that the, we're looking for a soft beginning 2016, and um, probably will last until uh, June, maybe uh, July before seeing things begin to pick up in August, September, and October. Okay. So that's AMT. Let's take a look at the people that I think a lot of. Uh, Steve Klein at Gardner Business Media, is the, he's looking for the world demand for manufacturing technology being down 7% in 2016. The tooling part of that is going to be down 7% as well. The, the positive side is going to be the work holding area, which they expect to be up by about 22%. Uh, the Institute for Trend Research, Brian and, and Alan Bellew, uh, they're looking for a rise in demand coming, coming. so prepare to take steps to be ready. They, uh, <clears throat> and what they mean by that is they expect that 2016 will begin a, a prolonged uh, expansion in the machine tool industry uh, and manufacturing technology. They, they look at machine tools, but the same thing is, you know, basically it's a good proxy for manufacturing technology industry as well. They use data from the U.S. Census Bureau as opposed to USMT orders, USMTO orders. Uh, and that data is saying the same thing that we're seeing in USMTO orders, that, uh, that, that we're looking for a soft beginning of 2016. And um, uh, they, in fact, they're a little bit more optimistic about how steep the climb out is going to be at, towards the end of the year than, uh, than we are. And then Oxford Economics is uh, expecting a, a 9 plus percent drop in 2015, followed by a modest uptick in 
2016 and a, a significant increase in 2017. Now, mm. uh, a late reporter uh, to me, in fact, it came in just before we went on the on. on I, I just just came over the wire. So you'll have to forgive me. I'm going to have to read a little bit here. Just came uh, over the wire, and I know you were reading it before we started because you were talking out. You were reading it out loud, is what you doing so um so go ahead let's let's hear the the the, the up and the down sure uh it's from eli lusgarden who's with uh, longbow uh research they uh eli's followed the our customer industries for decades is part one he is the uh the recognized expert in the construction and off-road highway equipment industry and he dabbles in uh, forecasting machine tools and does a very good job in his dabbling uh he's uh, he's saying that that we, we are, have been in a manufacturing recession for the last six months and that that uh, recession will continue through the first half of 2016. And it reflects the contagion effect of oil prices and inventory uh, liquidation. Therefore, he sees cap capital expenditures being on hold by a majority uh, of uh, our customer base that he follows. Uh, again, primarily with agriculture and, uh, and off-road and highway construction equipment and um, those two areas he sees that, that they're being hard hit by the decline in commodity prices, decline in food prices, therefore they don't have the money in their pockets to be able to make the expansion and have no, no need to because there's not a uh, demand for their product requiring them to bring it out of the ground or grow it any faster than they currently are. So he's looking for an 8 to 10 percent decline in 15 uh, and that um, decline in the first half of, uh, of 16 will be offset by a, a, a increase in the second half of 16, so that it will come out to be uh, either slightly down or, or flat for the year. Uh, but the, the, uh, the trend in the second half of 16 will lead to a significant increase in 17 as well. So that's my, uh, those are uh, my buddies out there in the, in the uh, commercial market making forecasts. Uh, and I think, I, I do, I think that, uh, I think certainly that the Institute of Trend Research and Eli are, are on the same page as uh, AMT, and then Oxford Economics forecast is still <coughs> certainly in line with a better 16, being a better into 16 and a strong 17. So the key thing here is what can we do? Uh, we've got the, our friends here online. Um, really, there's a this is a really important time. I've, I've said this in December the last three or four years because it was important then, but it's even more important this time. Uh, get on the horn. Go to this website here, amtonline.org, Right Congress. It's got an app. It helps you get to the right guy with the right message at the right time. Uh, uh, and it's really important you do it here. Last two or three years when I said this, what, what we were looking at was Congress was going to pass uh, what called tax extenders, Section 179, R&D tax credit, bonus depreciation, and it would be retroactive to whatever your customers bought in the current year. So you couldn't use it as a sales tool but you're going to be generating additional um, income for them in April that they could use on making future capital expenditures. A little different twist this December. This was December, when they pass this, they're looking at not only making it retroactive, but making it uh, effective for at least the next year. In the case of Section 179, they think about maybe making it permanent. Uh, and then it would not only give your customers additional income in April of 2016, but you'd be able to use it as a sales tool all the way through 16 and maybe in 17. And again, uh, an <coughs> extra, 
an excellent point to be making at the IMTS because IMTS is about the time you have to have your orders in with uh, manufacturing technology providers to make sure it's on the floor in place by December 31st, which gets you the uh, tax credit. So please, reach out there, touch these people, tell them you're interested in it. Section uh, 179, uh, again, one of the other interesting pieces of it, it drops $25,000 in uh, 2014 to be applied, but the, every version that we've currently seen being offered has moved that $25,000 back to $500,000 for small manufacturers, uh, back where it used to be in um, most of the time between 2008 and 2013. Uh, so a, a big step up, the chance for it to be for two years in a, for R&D tax credit in Section 179, bonus depreciation is still fighting to be included with the two other tax extenders, um, but if they, and there's a really great chance with your help and with your congressman's help to have these things be a two-year, take it out of the political cycle. That's the whole reason they're going to do it, is to take it out of the political cycle so it's not an issue in November as they're going to the, the polls. Um, but even more importantly, the chance that Section 179 might be made permanent uh, would be phenomenal for a lot of our small uh, customers, uh, job shops, um, uh, the second, I mean, the third and fourth tier automotive uh, parts suppliers. So, so yeah. make a make a point of going there right, you know, uh, today. Yes, today, because they've only got a few more days before the Christmas recess. Yeah, be active. Be, be active. active. Help, uh, yeah. help put money in your pocket. Okay, so that's where we are now. And so, if we've got any questions, we've got a few minutes. I don't see any questions yet. Um, you know, we we haven't lost anybody. That's for sure. Uh, you know, they're, they're still online. Um, you know, I, uh, um, I mean, how do you feel about, I mean, how do you just generally feel yourself about like, you know, you're like, like, let's say that, you know, the Christmas holiday, uh, do you see, uh, do you see the holiday being up, down? Um, what do you, what do you see? You mean spending uh, for Christmas? Yeah, spending, spending-wise. I'm sorry, yeah, spending. Yeah. Uh, if you're talking about the consumer, it certainly looks like it's going to be up. If you're talking about manufacturers, it's not. I mean, um, in the course of the last four or five weeks, we're talking to different people, uh, the uh, quotation activity has taken almost twice as long to get the quotation activity to an answer. And on that answer, what they call conversion, taking a quote from being a quote to being an order. Um, the, even this summer uh, into early part of fall, that conversion rate was still up around 60 to 70 percent. In other words, six to seven out of ten uh, quotes you got, you turned into orders. Um, that conversion rate is now down around half that. I mean, it's down to about 45, 50 percent of uh, quotes are being converted. Uh, mm. In addition to that, we saw first time I've seen where you have uh, machine tool and manufacturing technology providers having Christmas sales. Uh, on their website, uh, mm. it, it's uh, as uh, Eli said. People are working to, to liquidate their inventory uh, to get themselves lean, and um, that's not just true with our customer base. It's true with our our manufacturers too. And there was, uh, you know, there has been imported, in particular, uh, in some production places, uh, a stockpile of uh, machines uh, created over the course of the last six months, and. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of those people who have the, that uh, extra inventory would like to start off the year uh, closer to zero than they are right now. So I, mm -hmm. I, I think but, but even but even you know e even 
talking about consumer spending, you know, that, that, it, that impacts consumer confidence. Sure. You know, which, you know, I mean, it all, it, it all impacts us. Yeah, you, you listen to what the Amazon's numbers are. You, you, uh, first, time I, uh, first time I saw, I've seen Amazon and some of the other online sites begin to charge for shipping this early in the cycle. They always charge when you get uh, within a week. Uh, because they have to go special delivery, but uh, mm-hmm. even on the non-special delivery, they're starting to to charge a little bit more because there's a higher volume of people who who went online, and that higher volume of people went online didn't seem to have any any impact on Black Friday. Um, the, the, the stores are still packed. The store the numbers coming out of the, the um, different confeder- uh, confederated uh, department stores and uh, big box stores were all positive. So it certainly seems like uh, people are going to have a Merry Christmas, and uh, that, to your point, to me, seems to point to uh, a great deal of optimism about 2016 from the consumer. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I was driving at was that, was that if it was going to be a good Christmas, then it, it it's got to help us, you know, doesn't it? You know, that's why I see it. You know, maybe maybe you see it differently than I do. Well, of course you do. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Certainly. Uh, with Chris, so anyway, on the same path. The same path. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so we don't have any questions. So with that, I guess we'll just go ahead and wrap this up. And, and uh, um, uh, you know, once again, thank you, Pat McGiven, for sharing, uh, you know, our quarterly thing. Uh, yeah, tell, you know, come on, give them some, give them some high fives here in the, in the comments or in, in the Q&A. And, uh, uh, you know, make, make him feel good. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, we'll be doing this again in April uh, time frame. So if anybody's got any suggestions about other pieces they'd like to hear that we didn't cover, uh, any industries or, or geographic areas, or any uh, issues that you see coming up that uh, you'd like to have us uh, do some research on before we come to the table in April. Hey, look at that applause. applause. Don't, he- <laughs> don't hesitate to send us an email and tell us what you would like to see in April. We'll be glad to try to yeah. get it included. So thank you everybody for being here. We want to wish you a a super super holiday, you know, great New Year, uh, you know, Feliz Navidad, Melikiliki Maka, you know, Omadeto Gozaimasu, all that good stuff. And uh, uh, and Pat, same to you. And you know, wish you all a great uh, 2016. We hope uh, everything goes super for everybody. And we will see Pat again, like you say, back either March, April, sometime like that, to get uh, the next update. Did you mute yourself? I think you muted yourself. Anyway, uh, so uh, so other than that, thank you very much for joining us today, uh, and uh, thanks, Rochelle, for kicking us all off again. And we will see you guys uh, again next month. Bye, Rochelle. <laughs> and uh, hopefully we'll see you at the workshop, too, you know, next month. This is Steve Miller, better known as Kelly's dad and marketing gunslinger. And uh, just remember, always be uncopyable. See you later. Cheers, everybody. Merry Christmas.